Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Daniel, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we had come to the end of the Babylonian kingdom, and King Darius comes to the throne. When King Darius came to the throne, his first order of business was to establish 120 region commissioners and three governors, or joint chiefs of staff, you might want to call them. And of these three governors, Daniel was one of them. And so about this time, Daniel's about 85 90 years old. He's an old guy. He has outlived kings in every kingdom. He's been faithful. He's been diligent. Daniel has been blessed of God. He's done a good job at serving Jehovah. Verse 3 of chapter 6 tells us that Darius saw in Daniel an excellent spirit and an extraordinary attitude is what that literally means. But there were 122 guys, if you were with us last week, you know this, there were 122 men who didn't see an excellent spirit in Daniel. Actually, they saw green. These guys were green with jealousy. And jealousy always causes you to do bad things to good people. And pride, and I like to think of what's the, the middle letter of the word pride. I. And these guys were just full of eyes. They were jealous of Daniel. And so they, they, they plotted to, to, to find ways to discredit Daniel. And the only way that they could, because they, they literally, it tells us that they examined his life. And they found him to be blameless. I wonder, doesn't it beg the question, what if someone were to examine your life? I wonder, would they find Nothing to accuse you of. Nothing to find fault with you. Well, these guys, they were looking for something to find fault with Daniel, and they couldn't find anything. The only way to get rid of Daniel was to use his faith against him. And so these 122 of these leaders came to Daniel, and they told him that it was a unanimous decision among the rulers that the king should be honored For 30 days, you might want to call it King Appreciation Month. This is what they came up with, that it was unanimous, they said. Well, that wasn't true. It wasn't unanimous because Daniel didn't agree to it. You understand. And so they go to the king and they say, King, these 122 guys, they go to the king and they say, King, you should make a decree that no one can pray to their God for 30 days. Then the king is also full of eye and prideful. And so he says, wow, sounds like a great idea. 
And they say, by the way, King, we have the documents all drawn up. If you would just put your John Hancock right here, the decree, the law will be made and won't be able to be changed. And, of course, the king is thinking, yeah, that sounds like a plan. And so he signs the decree. Daniel chapter 6. I told you all I got to wear glasses now. Daniel chapter 6. Look at verse 10 with me. If you're there, say amen. Now, Daniel. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And it was at that time they went before the king. And you want to notice when the attack happened. It happened when Daniel was in prayer. (laughs) Isn't that how attacks usually happen when you're in prayer? It doesn't never cease to amaze you as soon as you decide you're going to take the time to pray. The phone rings. How often does that happen? As soon as you say, you know, I'm going to spend time with Jesus, just me and the Lord. The phone rings. Or or the kids start screaming. Or anything that distracts. Anytime, get this, when you are in prayer or seeking to do something that is God-honoring, you can count on the attack. It's just a little nugget kind of tucked right there that you can see. So when it happened, they went before the king. Now look at verse 12. And they spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, the thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And so they answered and they said before the king that Daniel, can't you hear the tone, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased within himself, and he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, King, know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. And so the king gave the command. And they brought Daniel because of pressure. They brought Daniel. They cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, Daniel, he'll deliver you. And that sounds like a hopeful thought. And then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet. Now, I've got verse 17 underlined. I'll tell you why. He sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. We've got to stop right there. Daniel knew the law. And he knew what the consequences of the law would be, and yet he didn't let the decree change his actions one way or the other. Very important. He didn't do anything different now that the decree was signed than he had always did. He didn't go and pray more. 
He didn't go and pray less. We pointed out last week that Daniel had been praying three times a day for 70 years. He was a man of prayer. So he didn't do anything more. He didn't go pray more, and he didn't go pray less. He he simply continued his prayer life. And he went to the place he always went to pray, and he knelt down and he prayed. Did you notice that? Daniel knelt down to pray. I like to kneel down to pray from time to time. I, I try to make a little ritual of it. I tell you what I do in my office Prior to coming out here, I don't know what my deal is, but uh, probably crying out to God for help and grace and mercy. Lord, please don't let me go out there and say anything stupid. No comments from the peanut gallery. <laughs> Y'all like, that's a little too late for that now, isn't it, Pastor? <laughs> hmm. And I like to kneel down and pray. I realize that there's nothing intrinsically special about kneeling down to pray. I think it's more important that you kneel your heart Amen, saints. But I do also think, and I think the Bible is clear. I can't explain it. The Bible's clear about it, though, that many people in the Bible knelt down to pray. You know, when we were worshiping, it made me think of Second Chronicles chapter 6. It tells us when Solomon was dedicating the temple and he stood before the Lord with his hands lifted up, he began to pray. But as the prayer continued to intensify and to build up, that Solomon found himself on his knees in the presence of God. He knelt to pray. We know that Elijah, when he was praying, was kneeling before the Lord. We know that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he said, if it is possible, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, God, not my will, but thy will be done. When he said that, Jesus said that, guess where he was? You guessed it, on his knees. Acts chapter 7, Stephen Being stoned, he was on his knees when he said, Father, forgive them. Sound like Jesus? Father, forgive them. And then he looked up and he saw one of the two times in the Bible where we see our Lord standing to receive the saints. Stephen looked up and he saw Jesus standing to receive him up into glory. Stephen was kneeling. I like to kneel. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. See, you know what? I think that in kneeling, it just speaks of complete and total submission and surrender. When you would conquer your enemy, many times a soldier would put, make his enemy get on his knees, put his neck on the ground, and then the the soldier would take his foot and put it on the neck of the enemy, uh, of the, you know, the captured, captured guy. Why? Submission, surrender. What are you going to do when your neck is on the ground and you're on your knees? That's what it speaks of. Being on your knees before the Lord just speaks of a total humility, a total surrender, a total you know, no, it's not the position of your body, but, but the position of your heart. But yet there's still something in this kneeling. Someone once said, kneeling is a begging posture, and we must all come to God as beggars. Well, Daniel's in the window, and he's kneeling before the Lord. 
and in prayer. And in verse 11 in your Bibles, as Daniel was praying on his knees and making intercession, these men saw him and they went to the king and they said, King, you signed a decree that no one can pray for 30 days, right? The king says, right. And then they said, well, that Daniel, did you notice that in verse 13? That Daniel, who is a captive from Judah. You know what? This is almost an anti-Semitic tone here. That Daniel, that dirty Jew, that's the, that's the tone here. That Daniel isn't showing respect to you, and he's praying three times a day. And when the king heard this, he said, because he knew the decree was signed and it had to stand, the king was sad. Why? Because we talked about it. They lived under a constitutional monarchy. We talked about this, which means that they had to obey the written law. The law couldn't be changed, not even by the king himself. So once the the decree was signed, the king couldn't say, you know what? I changed my mind. Sorry, I blew it. I like to change it. Uh, I, I really didn't mean that. That's not what I really want to do. Uh, that could not happen. Once the decree was signed, it was signed, done and sealed and could not be changed. That's a constitutional monarchy. So that's why when the king signed the decree and realized that Daniel was the one who was not obeying the law, the Bible says that he was sad. And so he waited a long time. He waited as long as he could to find a legal loophole. But he couldn't find one in verse 14. He finally gave the command and they brought Daniel and they cast him in the lion's den. And the king said, Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he'll help you. I like that. Daniel has such a respect for these pagan, hedonistic, polytheistic people. They respected him. And they loved him. And they were hoping. Isn't that amazing? They were hoping that Daniel's God would deliver him. Daniel, your God, he'll help you. You see, they knew throwing him in the lion's den, it was a treacherous thing. You need to understand something. These lions were not the average zoo lions. These lions were bred, get this, by the emperors to be ferocious and to be strong. I recently discovered that a lion can pick up a zebra with its mouth and climb up a tree. These lions were strong. It is said that it takes six men to lift a zebra. So these lions were incredibly strong. Not only were they strong, but these lions were kept at the point of starvation. They were kept at that place. So when people were tossed in, the lions would eat them before their bodies would hit the floor. Now understand this lion's den was a den that was dug deep. It was not like a cave that you walk into. It was a den that was dug deep that they would drop people into and then seal it. So to drop someone into a den with starving lions, literally, they would eat them before their bodies would ever hit the floor. And so they throw Daniel in the lion's den and seal the mouth of the den. Get the scene here. Daniel is 90 years old. At least he's an old guy, 85, 90. He's sitting in a dark rock and he hears, get this, he hears the purring sound of hungry cats. And then he hears the padding of feet as they slink near him. The lions give him a sniff. 
and their long whiskers brush up against his face. He can feel their moist, hot breath on his neck. And he's probably thinking, man, I didn't think serving God was going to cause me to end up a profit burger. <laughs> no. And then he feels a lick on his face. And he's probably thinking, oh, no. That was a nice lick. Something's wrong. They're just they're going to be taunting me for another couple of hours before they eat me up. And then this huge lion, after he licks him in the face like a friendly lick, then this huge lion probably laid down next to him and put his paw on his lap. <laughs> he just put it, I mean, you know, it's just like this nice, tame lion he was expecting to be eaten. And I'm sure Daniel was like, man, this is cool. Okay, God is God. And then Daniel probably laid down and used the lion for a pillow and went to sleep. It's great because our God is great. Amen, saints. He's so great. Well, then notice, get this. I got to move on. Look at verse 18. Now the king in verse 18, you're with me? Say amen. Now the king went to the palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. He couldn't sleep. Then the king arose very early in the morning. He went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried. He was weeping out with a mourning, a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. See, he knows. Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you, Daniel, from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, can you imagine? Oh, king, live forever. And then he goes on in verse 22 and he says, my God sent his angel and he shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, oh, king, I've done nothing wrong before you. Now, the king was exceedingly glad for him and he commanded that they should take Daniel, circle this, up and out. Of the den. And so Daniel was taken up and out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him. Why? Read it with me. Because he believed in his God. Well, this has got to be one of the best stories in the Bible. The king put Daniel in the pit. He went back to the palace concerned. He can't eat, he can't sleep, he doesn't want any music. He gets up the next morning, he goes to the den of lions, and when he gets there, He's crying and he says, Daniel, has your God delivered you? And then he hears Daniel's calm voice, I'm sure. He says, King, live forever. My God sent an angel. Shut the mouth of the lions and I'm not hurt because God knows that I'm innocent and I haven't done anything wrong. And then the king was glad, the Bible says. And he said, take Daniel up and out. And no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed. Up and out. Take Daniel up and out. Take the Christian up and out. Gosh, I see the rapture. Take the Christian up and out, Daniel. Now, who's this angel? We talked about it before. It's a 
You know the theological term? Christophany. And that's an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. This was the same angel, by the way, that was with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the fiery furnace in chapter 3. You might remember the king said, how many did we throw in the fire? And they said, oh, king, we threw three in the fire. And the king says, well, how come I see four in the fire? And the fourth one is like the son of man. That would be a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And then in verse 24, the king gave command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. That would be 122 of them and cast them in the den of lions. See, read what you sow. So cast them in the den of lions, their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them. Now, we don't have time to develop this, but can I just insert this? Sin affects not only you, but also your family. Boy, that was a dagger to my heart when I was studying this because I remember I used to say, hey, what I'm doing just affects me. You know, it's just me. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody by doing this or that or this or that. I'm not hurting anybody. I used to say that, but that's not true. Your sin will affect you and your family. Notice the whole family, all of these people, this is a lot of people here, were thrown into the den and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. And then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you, And that sounds like Paul's letters, don't it? Pauline greeting. You might want to write that. That's what it sounds like. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. I like that. You got power when you can cause men to tremble. You can tell them you're going to tremble. Okay. (laughs) You're going to go. Now. (laughs) Hey, everyone's going to fear. And that's very true. Everybody will fear before the God of Daniel, our God. Amen, saints. For he is a living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. So I think it was Paul Harvey who said, and that's the rest of the story. It is. You know, there are always people who want to deny the, the Bible and deny the miracles in the Bible. And they, you know, the Red Sea was a reed sea. And they only, you know, all the, all the uh, Pharaoh's army drowned in the Reed Sea, and the Reed Sea was one inch deep, and that's how they were able to cross over and pardon the waters and all that nonsense, which only gives more credibility to the miracle of God that if it really was an inch of water, then Pharaoh's whole army drowned in an inch of water, but okay, fine. And there are people who say that the lion's not eating Daniel isn't a miracle. There are people who try to argue that, and they and they say they say the uh, they, they say it wasn't a miracle at all. They just weren't hungry. They say, and that's why they didn't eat Daniel. The reality is, yeah, they they were hungry, and because we know that, because one verse later it seems that they were starved, because they ate a lot of people, the foolishness of men, and uh, so I want to point out to you some interesting parallels here. 
that you'll find pretty interesting. I think I do. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Listen, Satan, according to the Bible, is like a lion. And like lions, he is seeking to devour you. And there are two basic ways. The Bible says we're not ignorant of Satan's devices or his tactics. So there are basically two ways that in, in which Satan seeks to destroy and devour you. Number one is through temptation. Number two is through accusation. Temptation and accusation. Satan will seek to get us involved in sin because he knows that sin will destroy you. And then he begins to roar and condemn and accuse. Accusation. Revelation chapter 12 verse 10 talks about Satan the dragon is the accuser of the brethren and he accuses us day and night. Two basic uh, tactics of the devil. Temptation and accusation. And when Satan accuses and when Satan condemns, understand something. It's not a loud roar. It's more like a You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.